0: is it fair to say then you're considering your passion first and then perhaps revenue figures and audience second
1: yeah at least i like to think that way i mean (laughs) there may be something that comes along that's just i know for a fact that so many people would buy into it (laughs)
0: Welcome to another episode of the New Music Industry Podcast. It's David Andrew Weeb here. So we're going to start off with what's new. And I managed to finish my taxes. Good. And I'm getting ready to head back to Abbotsford now. I can't believe I've been in Calgary for three months. Does it feel like things have kind of gone by in a blur during this pandemic lockdown? I mean, officially, I guess it's not done just as of yet but things are kind of half open at this point kind of felt like time stopped for a little bit didn't it anyway i'm really looking forward to going back to bc i know it's going to be a hot summer but to tell you the truth i'm really looking forward to that I certainly shared this on the podcast, but a couple of years ago, I managed to get out to ShoeSwap and stayed out there for like a week or a week and a half. And that was a really great experience. So I think spending an entire summer there is just going to be great. I've been working on some new music as well, which has been a lot of fun. This music is going to be specifically for a new satirical comedy website. Not the first time I've ventured into that field. But with my collaborators being who they are, typically we do jump into making a song and a music video for whatever reason. It's just the way we've done things for quite a while. So that's coming. And on the business side of things, I've really been getting the content dialed in. And that's something I love geeking out over. may not be something of special interest to you but basically what i have is sort of a gary vaynerchuk todd trusseter style upside down content marketing strategy where i start with something big and then it funnels down into smaller pieces of content and it's showing some early signs of working So that's definitely encouraging. And I'll be sharing more later. But in a real general sense, those are a few things that have been going on. I'd like to introduce today's topic. And it's something I'm sure most musicians are thinking about or are at least curious about. Because of the virus, most if not all live events have been canceled. But that doesn't mean there aren't people who are still involved in the live event field. And it also doesn't mean that live events won't be returning, even if it's kind of in a different capacity. Either way, the right time to start thinking about that is now, as the world continues to open. So that's all I'm going to say before I get into today's interview. But I just wanted to address real quick the fact that, for some reason, my audio in this interview isn't the best. I really don't know what's going on with that. I've been using my broadcast mic again instead of a condenser mic I was using for a little while. So if anything, it should sound better. But I guess for whatever reason in the software I was using, which is Zencaster, the audio was coming in a little bit hot, so I am distorting a bit. Not much I can do about that, but then again, it's not terrible, and I can't do anything about it now. So it's nothing to dwell on, but I just thought I would let you know. So let's get into today's interview. Today I'm chatting with Bicoastal Productions Executive Vice President Jack Foreman. How are you today, Jack? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. So I know you oversee the staff at a New York-based agency. Seems like things have been a little crazy over there during the pandemic. How have you been holding up during these events?
1: Well, I've been doing okay. I mean, we're looking at this as all one big glass half-full thing, if possible. And um, you know, this whole thing hit us all like a ton of bricks when it all came down and happened last month. But um, you know what? We've, we've learned new ways to adapt. We've learned new ways to advise our artists to allow them to find ways of earning revenue while they're sitting at home and unsure about when their next tours will happen. So, you know what? We're, we're thankful to have each other, and I'm thankful to have more time with uh, my wife and our little girl. So. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, it's ushered in certain changes in my life as well. I dropped a fairly substantial contract because I didn't find it was worth the time or effort or my mind space that it was taking up in my life. But it was also kind of providence at the same time that my rent was halved and my food costs were minimal. So I was able to make that change and and focus more on creating content and launching my next book and course and so forth. So. Overall, glass half full. In the email you sent me, you mentioned that you've been keeping busy working from home. What does that look like for you over the course of the last few months?
1: Yeah, what it's really been is I've just been talking to people regardless of whether or not they're booking or they're even planning on booking anytime soon. It's just really having these conversations you know, to see where people are at, to see how things are in each market, to see what my clients are doing and to see what they're creating while they've got all this extra time. Just so we can be ready for when everything returns to normal and we can really get back into the swing of things. And we're exploring all kinds of new alternative ways for them to engage their audiences, uh, exploring virtual streaming as our venues are starting to look for some answers as they are going to be opening at reduced capacity houses. And we've really been doing a lot of that, but I'm, I'm always working on quirky stuff for the agency and we're always strategizing on new ideas i've gotten to spend a lot more time talking to certain buyers and artists you know really hopping on zoom rather than just the usual um quick call during the day and i've enjoyed it it's been nice spending the extra time and getting to really talk to people rather than just you know rapid fire business
0: yeah and i suppose for any artist who have a basic home studio setup there's still plenty of opportunity to create new things right
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know what? It doesn't just give you an opportunity to create. It gives you a great opportunity to go live if you're able to uh, put something together at home.
0: Yeah, because I see press releases come every single week from Rock, Paper, Scissors and a few other PR agents. Uh, they like me to promote their news and share it when I can. But, yeah, I see that Bands in Town has been doing a lot of this every single week. So the live streaming thing has become pretty significant during these times.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, Bands in Town is doing theirs on Twitch and I watched a couple of them. It looks great. It sounds great. And one of the things that artists are going to be able to do more and more now is ticket it and make some, uh, excuse me, some substantial money from, you know, just going live in their own homes or uh, little by little going live while they're also at venues.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's exciting. Yeah, we used to do some live streaming just on Facebook with, with a smartphone and nothing else. And we were always surprised to find that at our events, the music still sounded surprisingly good without any additional audio setup. I'm not suggesting that's what people do, but it was pretty neat how that how that worked. Yeah. Now, do you think live events will be changing for good? Or do you see things eventually going back to the way they were because there's all this talk about the new normal?
1: I think they will eventually be back to close to what they were. I just think you are also going to see a change in most of them. I am a firm believer that you are going to have a big hybrid of in person and streaming ticket buyers for these events, and the concerts may have brand new, brand new advisory and health regulations and all kinds of things that they never had to think about before. So it's going to force them to make things a little safer, which I don't think anybody's going to complain about, but we're all going to have to pivot. We're all going to have to rethink the numbers when we put together an offer for an artist or for a promoter to really figure out how, how the audience is going to experience it. Cause it may not be like it ever was And a lot of artists are going to be working a little bit harder than they ever were. And so are the promoters. I know a lot of my artists are going to be volunteering to do two shows in one day, which is going to help the people who are reducing their house to half capacity to where they can still, you know, make a similar deal, you know, just by working that much little extra, which, you know, if they're already in town, it's not a huge stretch for them just to perform another set.
0: Is this something you're preparing for already and putting systems in place and things like that?
1: Yeah, we're we're definitely already executing it too. I mean, for the show nice. on the books that we're expecting to be uh, performing in the in the last two quarters of this year, we're you know, we're doing all kinds of of interesting things depending on the the show to really make sure it mounts and travels safely and that the buyer still has some value when they're selling tickets to it. I mean, it's 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 a new thing each time, but we're also not afraid at this point of any any new changes with it.
0: I'm sure some of my listeners would love to know, you know, artists ultimately get to work with agencies. Like, how does that happen? And are there certain criteria they need to meet before you consider working with them?
1: I personally, you know, I I love, I, I really, it's important for me to have an act that I love and that I can really get behind passionately because if I don't, then it's going to show through very evidently whenever I'm talking to a buyer or just about anybody. But if an artist can really have a package for me from the get go that really makes me visualize what selling them is going to be like it really is more and more attractive to every type of agent you know if an artist comes to you and they have wonderful promotional assets they've got data that they've collected from wherever they've put their music out or done shows you know that really helps me i can you know you can you can only be that good of a salesperson until People say, okay, but how many tickets am I realistically going to sell? And if I'm able to pull out of my back pocket, well, the last time they were in the market, their average ticket price was this, and they sold X amount of tickets at this venue. You know, that knowledge is power with that. And if an artist can really show you the path of what your job with them is going to be, they become a much more attractive client. But not every artist is necessarily ready for an agent, nor would they necessarily need an agent who's going to be having to take part of whatever they book for the, for the artist and it may just be premature. So I would encourage any artist to really do your homework on what it really means to have an agent and do your homework on the agent that you're reaching out to, to make sure that it's the appropriate kind of agent. You may be reaching out to somebody who doesn't even dabble slightly in the types of things that you're doing. So I, uh, you know, I'm always open at that same point and I, I do love new clients. I really do.
0: So is it fair to say then you're considering your passion first and then perhaps revenue figures and audience second?
1: Yeah, at least I like to think that way. I mean, (laughs) there may be something that comes along that's just I know for a fact that so many people would buy into it, and I think I like them enough, you know. and I think every agent kind of does that, but it's better when you can have the double whammy of really being a fan Uh, because when you're a fan, that's really the best thing you can – you can have to sell any show, but it certainly doesn't hurt to have great marketability. I mean, that's really what you want.
0: From what you're saying, it sounds to me like you're a little more left brain than right brain, which, I mean, those are both valuable qualities. There's not suggesting there's anything wrong with them. I'm just saying that to say you must be creative and had some prior interest in music to come into this field.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've always wanted to do this. I really have. Ever since high school, I've been working with bands, and then in college, I took every internship I could. I worked for a couple of record labels. And then I was, uh, I really worked hard to get an internship at the Windish agency in Chicago where I was doing my, uh, doing my degree. And from there it really spun off. And I, the path of the agent, I guess, as the final goal really has been consistent, which, um, I've been happy about, but it hasn't had its, uh, it's, or it's definitely had its challenges and its moments where I'm, Regretting it, <laughs> you know, not now as much, but in the beginning, it, it certainly was a bit of a grind and harder than anything I could have imagined. But uh, I, I really, I, I like the way that we've put together our agency. I think that we all complement each other in different ways. You know, you talk about the way I think; you are absolutely right. I mean, I, I have a certain style to the way I work, whereas the partners who own the company are completely different and we found that having that balance has really allowed our organization to to just really function in a lot clearer way because we really keep each other in check and that's kind of the best best part of working with them is that you know they they defer to me and i defer to them every day just to make sure that we're making level-headed decisions and our artists look for that too
0: I love that. So, I mean, you've kind of brought up a theme that's recurring on the show that the music industry is a tough one. So what exactly? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've heard that. So what were you dealing with? What sort of challenges were you experiencing as an agent early on? What? Why was it a grind?
1: Well, I, I'm, I'm a workaholic by nature, you know, I'm, I
0: think yeah, I'm same
1: way. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's generational and from where you come from and, uh, in college with the internships, I would just, I would work so tirelessly. And then when I got recruited to ICM uh, out of college to work in their New York office with one of the hip hop and R&B agents, I really had a bit of a rude awakening to what the real big agency world was like. And it was, it was fairly, fairly common for me to be working there for 11, 12 hours a day. And, you know, I I didn't complain about it. That's part of becoming an agent and really rising up through the ranks is really seeing the dirt of it all. But um, the, the traditional world of agents, at least not, I can't speak for managers or publicists as much, but there's a lot of hazing that goes on with it. And it's not intentional. It's not, it's not malicious. It's just part of the industry ever since I believe the earliest days of you know, the legendary older agents like, you know, William Morris or Lou Wasserman you, you read about, you know, in, in your textbooks. And I think that's just, that's, that was definitely tough on me. I wasn't ready for it, but it definitely also made me appreciate, appreciate the position even more. And it, it taught me so much. And the biggest thing, the biggest, the biggest piece of it, that's been hard for me is having to deal with these, difficult situations where you have an artist on tour and you got to figure something out immediately. You don't have time to spare because the artist is on a tour bus across the country and they're waiting for an answer now rather than, you know, giving you a couple days to think about it. And COVID-19 certainly made us all operate that way and put us to a huge test. And, you know, we, we were able to work through it, but I definitely had to have some of the toughest conversations of my career, I'd say in these past three months. And wow. it's been that way for everybody.
0: Going back to something you mentioned earlier, you said that not all artists are ready for a booking agent, and I would totally agree with that. But when is an artist ready?
1: When they are either looking to – well, I guess it's hard for an artist to say. Typically, typically artists don't just approach us, um, or at least a lot of the artists we work with didn't just approach us. A lot of the people we work with were referred to us by a manager or by somebody we know at a venue. And when you're at the point where you see – the steam picking up in your fan base and your ticket sales and you're launching a national campaign with whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's a album release or something similar to that, and you want to have the infrastructure there to really get it out, th- that would be a good time. You know, Come to an agency with a plan and say, I've got this in the pipeline. This is what I've done so far on my own or with my, my own team that exists right now. And you see, an agent still may say no but you kind of gotta ask everybody you can't just approach one or two agents i would recommend finding all the agents that you think are appropriate to you and give it a shot the only thing stopping you is you at that point because people do want to find new clients and they are looking for things but you may want to search for a manager before you search for an agent because most of the people i deal with are managers you know some of them are artists and some of them are just the managers for the artists who are really helping drive the ship and we're just playing our part.
0: There's this whole thing about hope is not a strategy, but what you just said is almost the opposite of that, that, you know, when artists are out and they're building their audience and playing different venues and so forth, that's where the referrals came from. So eventually they did get noticed if they had a substantial following, it sounds like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people get noticed by all kinds of different people. And most of our clients are from people that we've just known for years, or, you know, we may hear from a venue where they say, you know, we have an artist that just came in last night and they're on the outs with their agent or they're looking for somebody new. And I thought of you, that's actually happened quite a bit. And, uh, I think there's something to be said about that, but the the adversity of the artist is really a part of what makes every great artist. And you won't find anybody out there who's successful that just kind of fell into it. They all had to, had to get knocked off with a couple of different people that may not have shown them the right way early on, but hopefully they all figured it out before too much of their career had passed them by.
0: Yeah, I guess that's the whole thing about paying the price. I've encountered more than a few people on my journey who promised big things, but ultimately delivered absolutely nothing or very little. So I I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, I, I don't like to promise things that I really don't see a path to making happen
0: also going back to something you said earlier about passion i mean it really is the same thing with a podcast or a blog or a business isn't it like you're gonna have way more stick-to-itiveness if it's something you love and are passionate about
1: yeah well i mean you're you're a writer and uh, mm-hmm. i can tell i can tell just reading your stuff that you you don't just love to write but you love to write about music and you know the industry that we live in and how people can get better with it and it doesn't just it's not just, um, expository. It's really, you can tell the person who's writing is very into it. And I I think that has to be that way with anybody that you're working with in entertainment because it's just, everything is so transparent in our world and even in literary and motion picture and just about all of it. It's, it's very easy to show when, you're really just putting on a show
0: yeah thank you for saying that that's an important soundbite for me right there so i'm gonna reuse it but uh (laughs) yeah you you definitely don't come to this point of writing five books i've often said that writing a book is a greater endeavor than making an album having done both myself so yeah absolutely you don't come to that point of writing five books without actually being passionate about it and loving it I think it's not uncommon, and this is kind of going back to some things we've already talked about, but for artists to be looking for the silver bullet or magic cure that's going to take all their career woes away, yet it's typically been my experience that whenever they get a record contract, a manager, a publicist, agent, or otherwise, they actually end up having to work harder and longer, being more disciplined about their schedule, traveling all over the place, and so on. And some artists just aren't ready for that type of commitment. So what is your perspective on that?
1: I think you're right. I think you do have to work a lot harder when you have these people in place because they're no good without you feeding them <clears throat> the proper spots to go work in. I mean, I if an artist just tells me, book me, and I say, all right, well, what am I working with here? And they say, I don't know. I've got some great music out. Just work with that. I'm not going to be much good to anybody. But if they are constantly creating more and more and putting more out and trying to find ways of engaging their audiences while they're sitting at home or even out on, out on the road, that gives me a lot more to work with. And I I think for the publicists out there, it's the exact same thing. They need to have, they need to have news to report and they need to constantly stay in touch with people right now. Since in 2020, there's nonstop content being thrown at people 24 seven from a billion different artists who are all, all of a sudden popping up because anybody can produce music nowadays.
0: Exactly. And I think that's just, it's really important for, your, I would say, hobbyists and also artists who just aren't ready to take it to the next level yet, right? When they're ready to put more of their time and effort and commitment behind it, that's a wonderful time to begin exploring that option. But otherwise, it's kind of like hold off on it, keep keep writing songs, keep producing, keep getting experience. And then when you're ready, you can start to explore those options. What would you say is the greatest challenge you've overcome
1: I think the current climate has definitely been a massive challenge and uh, I, I guess the biggest challenge is not a single thing, but it's more a chain of things where I've really had to go through quite a serious personal growth in uh, the years I've been doing this because you, you kind of hit it early on in the podcast. And I, I'm i really more of a of a type of guy who wants to just make everybody happy in uh, in the- and in, in business even, you know, and that's not to say I'm a pushover necessarily, but I, I I, do like enjoying my work with everybody. And as an agent, you're absolutely not able to just be that way. And that's really where we get a lot of our horrible reputation for poor manners and you know, nastiness is because we have to be very aggressive with a lot of things because you're not just dealing with selling a car, you're selling somebody's life's work and you're sending them out Into the world to perform that. And you need to make sure that they're well taken care of to be doing your job properly. So I've I've really had to put on a different hat and, you know, not change who I am, but also grow as a business person, grow as a leader of my team, my agents, you know, to be supportive to them and my artists especially, to really fight for them because each person needs something different. Every artist on the roster needs different attention, some very little and some. 24 hours a day. And becoming that person has been a, a big challenge, but I can definitely say that I've, that that's probably been the biggest area of growth at the same time for me as I've been able to become more of the person I've needed to be to do this job with confidence and with care that artists deserve.
0: I think you've spoken to something really important there, which is empathy. It's I don't know if I want to say it's rare. It's just not as common in this in these times. You know, uh, people are very concerned about how they're going to go about their next day, and it's like you know, other people don't necessarily enter their mind. But there's something to the whole the job or the career or the the, the path that you're on that requires that. And and when you are that kind of person, you you just want to make sure that all the things are in place for them to be able to succeed you know have the the tools to empower them to be able to do their job at the best that they're able to do it
1: and the people i work with you know they're they couldn't be more opposite you know my the (laughs) the company are in their 70s and they've they've done every type of sales and marketing work you know under the sun and they're wonderful people but they definitely you know they've been in new york longer than i have and they they caught the side of the country's mentality that I eventually had to catch. Cause I'm from Wisconsin. (laughs) I, I, you know, I, I'm, I grew up, you know, when you see somebody on the street, you wave at them and say hi. And if you bump into somebody you say, Oh, sorry, excuse me. And uh, not that I don't do that. It's just, it's, there's a whole different mentality living out here or, you know, living in LA and um, my wife has definitely helped teach me that too, because she's a Jersey girl.
0: And that sales and marketing piece is so important. And I say that because I've tried so many things that don't work. But it's that experience of having done that and put your money behind it and effort behind it and hours behind it, knowing that, okay, here's 100 things that don't work. Here's the two that do work. And being able to focus on the few that make a difference. flip side of that is what's the greatest victory you've experienced?
1: Same kind of answer. I mean, it's hard to put it into one single, but just... yeah. The growth of our agency has been a huge one for me. I feel very invested and I felt very invested in our company from the get-go. You know, when I joined, it was much more of a boutique agency than it is now. We've grown to be a very busy mid-sized agency. And I, I think that's probably our greatest victory. I've I've also, I've done a lot of projects that I never necessarily imagined possible for my own ability. And seeing them actually come to fruition has really been a big achievement, you know, a, a really difficult tour maybe, or, a, an artist whom I, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to help elevate to that next level, but we end up getting them there and they see continued success. Um, so it's kind of a combination of all of those. And then, uh, one or two historic events in my career that I've really taken a lot of pride in have continued to give me confidence to this day.
0: Are there any books that have helped you on your journey?
1: Well, I'm not a big reader right now, uh, mainly because <laughs> I'm so inundated with stuff. And uh, oh, yeah. I, read all, I read all day. I read contracts. I read emails and I read people's gripes. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the usual ones that you hear about, you know, all the all the executives talk about, you know, like Alchemist and Fountainhead and all those. But I in college, I actually really loved learning about um, like I loved the the book, you know, Music, Money and Success. Mm. Jeff and Todd Brabick. And you know, that's just a really cool guide to how how money and how how law is in this business. And I got to see them speak at our at our college. I really enjoyed that. And um I guess I guess I um I'm I'm always looking for new recommendations, you know, and uh I definitely you have any for me especially your own books i'm i'm game
0: (laughs) that's awesome well we have lots of uh, recommendations on on our website too but i would say you know the new music industry the first book that i launched i still get people coming back to me saying thank you this is really good i really enjoyed it so if you if you make your way through it it's a great book i'm currently in the process of updating that one and i think uh, the new music industry 2.0 is going to be even more powerful, but I'm I'm still very proud of that work. And then my latest book, The Music Entrepreneur Code. Honestly, I've gotten amazing feedback on that so far. And you just never know, right? You're sitting here as an author, shaking in your boots, wondering <laughs> if people are going to get behind it. And and uh, so far, so good. So yeah, I would I, say uh, those two.
1: I think that's great, and uh, you know, power to you for continuing to create as, uh, as things continue to change. And I I definitely am always open to seeing how the entire industry is changing from a different perspective than maybe sitting in a different segment of the field, like recording or publishing things like that. So Definitely looking forward to
0: reading. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Impact more and more. So that's that's definitely the goal. Well, hopefully now I can say I know a booking agent. I already know a manager. I already know publicists. But uh, it's always good to have those contacts in this industry. You just never know.
1: You're building your team slowly but shortly. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time and generosity, Jack. Is there anything else I should have asked or touched on?
1: No, I, uh, I appreciate you, you know, spending the time with me as well. And, uh, great to talk with you. Great to talk about these things. And, um, you know, if anybody is trying to learn a bit more about us, you can find us at bicoastalproductions.com mm-hmm. and, uh, you can email us at talent at bicoastal at productions. If you have any interesting ideas or if you're seeing anything, especially with streaming and with, uh, ticketed live streams, we're really focusing more and more on that. So, um, it's all about the conversation, and we certainly want to keep it going. Awesome.
0: Thank you so much.
1: All right. Thank you, David.
0: And I'm back to close things out for this episode. The first thing I want to do is just give you three takeaways from this interview. Obviously, you're going to have your own takeaways, and those are especially valuable. But here's what I got out of this. Number one is take advantage of the extra time that's available for you. Jack mentioned that their booking agency's artists had extra time on their hands to strategize and think about how they were going to engage their audience. I'm a big believer in taking advantage of any free time that I've got. I'm certainly not going to tell you what to do with your free time, but just recognize that there could be an opportunity there. Number two, prepare for what's to come. Jack mentioned that they were putting new processes into place to prepare for the return of live events. That's just a really smart thing for them to do so that they're not running around with like headless chickens trying to figure it all out at the last minute number three, pursue your passion. This is largely misunderstood, at least in the sense that people forget that passion also means to suffer for. So your passion isn't just going to bring you a ton of fulfillment and hope and joy into your life on autopilot. So you got to be thinking about what you're willing to do long term, what you're willing to suffer for. If you're passionate about it, you're going to stick to it. And if you stick to it, you're going to have a greater chance at success. Look how long I've been doing this podcast thing. Now we're going to move into news and updates. I have more to share here than I thought I would originally. I put together a brand new ebook called 170 Music Career Tips to help you grow your following, promote your music, and increase your income. You may or may not know that I was running a newsletter for the better part of 18 weeks called Music Career Tips Weekly. That initiative came to an end. It was a pilot program. It was an experiment to see what sort of response I would get. I compiled all the content and put it into this ebook, and since I was sharing 10 tips every single week over the course of 18 weeks, obviously it added up to quite a few. It added up to 170 tips total since the 18th week I just shared that I would no longer be publishing these newsletters. But as with anything else, I'm just going to take what I learned from it and make something even better in the future. Anyway. If you're interested in 170 music career tips to help you grow your following, promote your music, and increase your income, you can learn more at musicentrepreneurhq.com slash 170 tips. We also have a new affiliate partner at Music Entrepreneur HQ. Now, we don't just promote things willy-nilly. We're always careful to evaluate and audit anything that we're considering promoting. Our new affiliate partner is CellFi. I've personally used CellFi in the past and have made some with it and I like what it is they have to offer. So what is Sellfy? Well, basically it's a simple e-commerce platform that you can use to sell any kind of digital products even physical goods and subscriptions so if you've been looking for an alternative to platforms like bandcamp gumroad nimbit and so forth here's one you could use in its place you could also just add it to your existing tool stack they've got a 14-day free trial so you can give it a go before you've decided one way or another i think it's worth a look if you're selling anything online in editing capacity so you can go to musicentrepreneurhq.com slash selfy that's s-e-l-l-f-y i'm sure i'll cover it in more detail in the future but just wanted to let you know about it because we're excited moving right along to listener comments this one is a few weeks old by now but that's all right i love hearing from you regardless and if you want to get featured on the show in any capacity well you can leave a comment this comment comes to us from kevin danger on instagram and he says really enjoyed the last podcast I'm pretty sure he was referring to the episode on how to support the podcast, which was episode 190. You can go back and have a listen if you're interested in supporting the ongoing creation of content like this. As always, thank you. We love you. We can't wait to hear from you. On that note, you are more than welcome to support us on Patreon. We've got a page set up at patreon.com slash new music industry. As always, the easiest way to get in touch with me personally is to reach out on Twitter. My username is at David A. Wiebe. That's D-A-V-I-D-A-W-I-E-B-E. I look forward to hearing from you. This book lays it out simply and gives you a clear shot step-by-step walk that saves you time and wasted money, helps you get it done, and your business running. doesn't matter what stage of the business you are in, this is an essential read. This is what Mabel Wong had to say about my book, The Music Entrepreneur Code. You can learn more at musicentrepreneurhq.com code. I'm David Anjaweeb, and I look forward to seeing you on the stages of the world. Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast.